This is the My Therapy Podcast for episode whatever. I probably should have looked it up. Don't care, to be honest. Um, welcome. It's been a while. Uh, there's an explanation for that, or many, that we'll get into. I'm Justin Dickey. Um, my wife is here. She's going to help uh, tell us, uh, tell you guys about what's going on. Hey, everybody. So, uh, last time we left off, well, I guess we left off at an awkward point. Luke uh, got a new job, wasn't going to work at the radio station anymore, and uh, departed. And we did a few more podcasts after that. Basically, we had already recorded them, and I just put them out on Mental Health Awareness Week in May and left it at that. May? It was that long ago, eh? Yeah. Lots happen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of the main reasons why there's been a bit of a hiatus and, pardon any background noise, uh, dogs having a field day with a toy. We'll see how that goes. Um, we moved from Ontario to Nova Scotia. Uh, I don't know if we want to get into why or all the nitty gritty of that. I guess the the why is yeah that we wanted a better quality of life, wanted to be around family more, and we didn't have uh, we didn't have family in Ontario. We um, had a puppers and a townhouse that was way too small. It was very expensive to live in Ontario and uh, it's just not that expensive to live in Nova Scotia. So uh, we moved in June. So um, bought a house. That's the other thing is why we were delayed is that we were living with Caitlin's parents for the last few months. Thank you, mom and dad. And we just got into our house in the middle of October uh, we are in central Nova Scotia. Uh, we're kind of midway between where our family is and where Halifax is for the purpose of having flexibility for work options if needed. Uh, thankfully, at this time, Caitlin is employed uh, nearby, and uh, I'm still employed with CMHA Ontario, oddly <laughs> enough. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So uh, efforts were made to keep me around, which I dearly appreciate. And uh, we'll keep trucking along until I'm told my services are no longer needed. <laughs> uh, but for now, it's a really good setup. But um, with the future, long term, I guess long term is always up in the air, no matter what your situation is. But um, I'm on contract still. So uh, just for flexibility. I wanted to be able to go to Halifax for work if I had to. So this was kind of our middle ground on everything that we can still be up near family lots and, and works available if it needs to be. Yeah. Bit of a brutal decision-making process. We went from wanting to live across the road from your dad and building a home to deciding to live in central Nova Scotia and purchasing a home. And it took four months Four grueling months, but I think we're pretty happy with our decision. 
mostly happy with uh <laughs> well i that's a that's a t- happy's a strange term because um i think i said to you last night that i'm just not maybe i didn't i was just thinking it but just that i'm not generally speaking very happy as a rule um if you are a regular listener of the podcast, you already know. I guess you're, if you're a regular listener, good on you because I haven't been around for a while. But uh, for anybody who's new, uh, picking up the podcast for the first time on this episode, uh, started this thing out of uh, my own personal experience with mental illness, specifically depression. And, um, you know, I, I guess that it's it goes without saying that... Uh, there's been some difficult times and um, we moved basically because we wanted to make our lives easier yeah. and uh, well, just have more joy in a day-to-day basis. And um, I guess that there's a certain amount of personal responsibility that comes with uh, creating happiness for yourself. And mm-hmm. um, I, I like, I, I get stuck in a rut real easy and I I expect happiness to just come what are we gonna do about her I have no idea <laughs> did she just go out yeah she did I can let her out again yes let her out okay alright is she good all right. Uh, so, sorry about the pause there. Uh, Rory needed a pee break. Long story short, I I just assumed things would get better coming home, and that's not the nature of what I deal with. Um, there are underlying issues that I've been uh, working through, and have tended to uh, neglect as, and I think that comes with it, comes with it that you start to feel a little better and you ignore yeah. the things that make you feel better. False sense of security. And then you fall back into the old patterns and that's really what's been happening. Um, so I, I don't know where, where to go, but um, it kind of leads into the next point. But a part of trying to correct negative patterns is to try to continue this podcast again that i it it helps me work out my stuff i guess yeah Yeah. no it's a helpful tool i think and it helps people also which is is riveting anyway um leads me into my next point the state of the nova scotia healthcare system it's when we should just rant (laughs) <laughs> uh so in ontario when i needed a doctor when i decided i needed to do something about how i felt i called the doctor and get in the same day and any time i needed to get to the doctor i get in the same day or the next day and it was never an issue and before we moved home we knew that there was going to be challenges yeah we had you know lived here we knew it was going to be difficult to get a family doctor, and 
I'd read quite a few articles over the last five years about the healthcare crisis in Nova Scotia. So we knew it was going to be challenging. But it's surprisingly bad. Very bad. So uh, there's a system set up in Nova Scotia and... I hope this doesn't come off as ignorant because I don't know how the rest of well, first of all, the rest of the country works. Right. I don't know how it works around the world in terms of getting a family doctor. Yeah. But just speaking from experience, I think ours sucks. Um, Agreed. We've been here almost five months. Yeah. Uh, so when when we arrived, we called this number to get on a wait list. Yeah. That was on June seventeenth. There's no end in sight for when we come off of that wait list. No, and I'm sure there's, you know, if there's anybody in Nova Scotia listening, they might be laughing at us because five months on this list is actually not a very long time. Compared yeah, it might to, be years. I have no yeah, idea. There's people I know that have been on the list for a couple of years. Like what? How is that acceptable? Oh, it's not. And I know that when it comes to governing and politics and tax money and what to do with it and how to allocate it. It's a, it's a matter of economics. There's only so much to go around. But how is how is healthcare not the like the number one overwhelming priority? Well, especially with the average age in this province, and I mean, we're not even talking about mental health right now. We're just talking about health. health. And you know, the the butt of the joke is always Nova Scotia has amazing highways. We have amazing roads. Uh, we spend a lot of money on our roads. No one lives here. And we have no traffic. Like, I got to say, like, on a money per capita basis, there's way too much money being spent on oh, roads. absolutely. Now, I love our roads. It's great. But I would rather see that money go towards retaining doctors and nurses. Yeah, health is probably a bigger concern. Yeah. Uh, the health of our cars is more of a priority than the health of our people. Seems to be. So, uh, I'm... I'm kind of stuck at the moment is what I'm getting at, that I have prescriptions that need to be filled and I can't get them filled because you have to go to a family doctor and I call like a nurse practitioner clinic that I knew about uh, that my family goes to. And they, again, it was the same situation where you had to be on, you had to be uh, their, one of their patients. Yeah. Um, that if you weren't already in, you can't get in. Yeah, so... One of your prescriptions is a controlled substance, and we are hoping that our the only option we can think of is that we can go to the emergency Not room. the only option we can think of. I literally called around, and that was the option I was given. By healthcare providers. Yes, I got to yeah. go to emergency to get a prescription filled. Yeah, and I mean... How is that useful of time? Yeah. When people with actual emergencies are going in there. First of all, they're going to take priority. Exactly, which means you're going to be there for forever, which, I mean, that's how the triage system works. But how clogged are emergency rooms getting for just general, you know, prescriptions, cold and flu? Like, they always say don't go to the emergency room unless it's an emergency, but in this province you don't have a choice if you want just basic health care. I guess by definition, is it an emergency if I need a prescription I can't get filled? Yeah, it is. Like that's ins- like <laughs> It's kind of foolish, but it's a little bit true. Yeah. And I mean, my bigger concern is that you don't have a doctor overseeing you right now to determine if your dosages are okay, if you need to up anything, lower anything. There's nobody monitoring that. You've basically gone without any health care for almost five months now. 
five months without any healthcare at all um, in a situation where I, you know, I've all things considered, I'm probably better than I've been in a while, but um, yeah, but there's again, like I just feel myself sliding and I don't know what to do about it. Um, There's, there's the private counseling option. I think we're going to look into, but just not having a primary care provider with any insight on what we should do. Um, if I need to have medications adjusted, elevated, continued, removed, I, I, there's no, there's no, no guidance. Oversight. I don't know what to do. That's it. And it's uh, hard to find the help. I mean, that's, that's the problem. I mean, what makes me nervous is, is if we don't stay on top of this, like, Five months is a long time for you to go without any oversight. Like I don't want this to culminate in another emergency room visit. And unfortunately, the healthcare system in Nova Scotia is setting us up to fail a little bit because you can only get healthcare if you're in crisis. And another another troubling thing about uh, some things I've heard about Nova Scotia in recent months is uh, people who have had to go to emergency with a mental health crisis have gotten in and often discharged within a day maybe they stay the night um which i find extremely troubling if somebody's going to emergency um with the with suicidal ideation and and, you know an an intent and they're treated as you're okay you know just kind of we'll wait it out for a few hours and send you home yeah um i think there's a much bigger issue than that and I guess it comes with the state of where we're at with things that there's just no room for anybody. Yeah, I think we're I, still I, approaching mental health in the same way as physical health, where we look at it as an acute issue when it's something that's chronic and is going to take time to correct. But the system is so overburdened that the time isn't spared necessarily. And again, um, you know, we say this, but. If you need help, you have to go get help. And even a day's worth of help is better than no help. But how is how is it help when you go to the emergency room and then they just send you home? I I I I I've had to go on two separate occasions and I I was held like they I don't know. I didn't particularly didn't particularly enjoy my experiences, but at the same time in hindsight I was kind of held on to until I was at a point where I was better than when I went in. Yeah. Like definitively. Yeah. And I can't say that you could definitively be better within a few hours. No, that's right. When you're going in with that kind of dire situation. Right. I don't know. It, It makes me appreciate how things are in Ontario at the moment, that's for sure. Yeah. And we talked about in... An ongoing crisis in itself in Ontario is months on end uh, waiting to to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an ongoing issue. But uh, first of all, there seems to be an idea, at least, of how long it's going to be. If it's yeah. Six months, nine months, a year, which it's, that's entirely unacceptable in and of itself. Mm-hmm. However, if you have some semblance of an idea of how long it's going to take, Maybe you can hang on. 
Yeah, as long as there's a light at the end of the tunnel sort of thing. Like in, in like right now with this wait list we're on to get into a family doctor, there's literally no idea how long this is going to be. Yeah, I asked today when I called to reconfirm, which I guess I should do every month or so to confirm, yeah, we still want a doctor. Um, I asked, you know, is there any idea on timeline? They say no, they, they can't confirm any timeline. Um, and, you know, you've got health concerns that need to be followed up with at some point we want to start a family and i'm petrified i'm not going to have a doctor to oversee my pregnancy like that's terrifying i don't know how that works like if you don't have a family doctor what do you do i don't know (laughs) there's a terrible story that came out last year about a woman in cape breton who was in her second trimester and still hadn't seen a doctor now the crisis in cape breton is worse than you know the area of Nova Scotia we're in, but I mean, that's just how this hasn't been declared a crisis um, and an emer- a state of emergency, honestly, um, that the government's really not doing anything. Is there not a function in place where if, you are in a, if you're in that kind of an emergency as a province that the feds couldn't step in with some support? Yeah, I don't know. Um, we have a liberal provincial government and we have a liberal federal government You'd think they could work together. You would think. Maybe it's I. I'm not a. I'm not a political expert by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't know exactly how all that works. But it would just be. I. I would think. Somebody looks at this and says, "Yeah, we should probably ramp this up and get some get some professionals in place so people don't die." Yeah. Would be good. I don't, I mean, I don't think that's like a crazy. I don't thought. think that's that much of a stretch either. No. Anyway, um, I. It is what it is, and that's a, that's a terrible phrase, but yeah, <laughs> uh, we're just kind of living in it right now. A, a long story short, we uh, expected that we didn't anticipate it to be this challenging. Yeah, we knew it was going to be the major drawback of moving back home. Um, that was the only thing that concerned me about moving back home. And, well, and it's proven to be the thing we should have been concerned about. There's just little wrinkles that come up, like the controlled substance where I need a special mm-hmm. like prescription for that. Um, I can get any other prescription filled at a walk-in clinic, but a walk-in clinic won't do the controlled substance. Now, there's reasons for that, and part of it is an opioid crisis and people trying to get um, opioids by any means necessary. And uh, that's created concerns in the system. And they're trying, it's, it's kind of a, a fail safe that, yeah. um, you know, if you have this, you basically need to get it from your family doctor or not at all. Yeah. Um, which in ways is a good thing, but it, it, it's harmful in others. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, just uh, all there's all kinds of new fun experiences coming up as we go as we move back to Nova Scotia and settle in. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I uh, I don't know where to go from here. I, I got a few bullet points I want to go over. Um. Again, if you're listening for the first time, or if you're if you're a regular listener, maybe it's perhaps a refresh. And I'm going to try to go over a few things here. Um. Related to past episodes, 
Uh, the number one thing that has been on my mind, or not the number one thing, but one of the top things on my mind has been, uh, there was many, many episodes ago, um, it's probably been well over a year actually, that I had been exploring the idea of uh, becoming a peer support worker and mm -hmm. uh, pursuing education to do that. I believe I aired out my frustrations with uh, not being accepted into a particular program on the podcast um, and trying to fight it tooth and nail. Uh, I thought I had some support um, to perhaps uh, correct that scenario. None of it worked out and uh, perhaps for the better. Uh, well, not in the time being, that's not just not something I'm ready to do anyway. Uh, things have worked out since I, I work for CMHA Ontario, um, continuing in my, uh, field of communications, which, which is good and, uh, doing something that I care about and probably getting paid more <laughs> than yeah. I would have as a peer support worker right. anyway. Uh, not to say that I don't appreciate sincerely peer support workers that I've yeah. uh, been involved with and the idea of doing it in the future is still very interesting. Uh, but at this time, I, I just don't think I tied the bow on that one that I just kind of set it aside, um, reevaluated my priorities and pushed forward. And I, I just, I never addressed that. And I wanted to mm. kind of bring it up as yeah. I try to tie up some loose ends and what has gone on. Another thing that I wanted to bring up was, uh, I think I might've mentioned it, uh, just um, hesitation to move forward with the podcast in general. Um, part of it has been things I've said in the past. One thing that comes to mind is the whole education scenario where I wanted to go back to school and was getting uh, a, a brick wall and uh, voicing my displeasure with that very openly. Um. I'm not going to go out of my way to help you find where I've uh, misstepped <laughs> along the way, but uh, just that instance, for instance, um, is an example of maybe um, some words that I regret. Maybe regret's too strong of a word, but overall, uh, and, and in the beginning, I was much more headstrong about how I approached this Um I guess when you're in a period of desperation and at your wits end, uh, you don't really don't, you throw caution to the wind. You don't care what people think, but as time has gone on, I start to care about what people think again. And maybe mm -hmm. that's a flaw more than anything else. But I look back on my past episodes and I uh, expressed in very uh, extreme detail, uh, personal stuff um, related to what I've been through with my depression, suicidal ideology, ideation. I can't even talk. Um, just uh, experiences with health professionals. Uh, it detailed in explicit detail my hospitalization uh, the first time around, less so the second time around. Uh, but again, did provide quite a bit of detail. And at the heart of it is um, I want to share my experiences mm -hmm. because if I had heard these things and heard somebody else experience what i've experienced and they got through it in a way it's a bit of a peer support mechanism exactly and um that's important but at the same time like this is such, such an open platform and anybody can get it and what i've what i've shared is out there forever 
And there's been, just been a period of reflection on that where I, I think, did I really, did I, did I push it too far? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, probably the good that might potentially come of it, whether there's been good come of it or not, the potential for good to come of it, I think outweighs any negative outcomes that could come to myself. I think so. But part of it is the my my default of my self-loathing and self-hatred, um, criticism of myself. Um, the default is to is to go back to you shouldn't have done that. You're an idiot. Like, right? You know what I mean, like, does that just- come from a place of just being a little bit uncomfortable with the vulnerability that you had at that time? I wasn't well. That's the thing. I wasn't uncomfortable with the vulnerability at the time. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the un, with the vulnerability now. Right. Yeah. And that's the strange kind of juxtaposition we're in, where it's already out there. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, uh, you can't you know, really scrub the internet and take it off. But right. I think you hit the point that if there was anything you said that maybe crossed the line and would have upset some people, or maybe I think you know you mentioned. Could it be limiting opportunities in the future if people were to come across your I podcast? I did mention that here, but I'd mentioned it to you. Yeah, and I mean, that's always a concern, I think, in this age of social media when people's past gets dredged up because it exists online. But, I mean, ultimately, I think you never said anything that went beyond the lines of appropriate, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, I really and I think would, it was helpful. I would tend to agree with that. I just think there's a few things that they're like, I've thought about what if I want to get to a point and I think I'm still far too immature for it probably. <laughs> but as I kind of grow as a person, you know, what if I wanted to end a public life? What if I wanted to be a city councilor or, a, or, a, a regional politician and, I have this out there and there's other stuff out there too. Like I was, I know that back in the day I, I posted some pretty crude, just being humorous, uh, like social media posts. Right. And I think back to those and I'm like, yeah, that can be taken out of context. Like I, I would make comments about like, um, using illicit drugs and things like that completely, um, sarcastically. Right. Uh, and, I just think about, like, if I ran for public office and then it was like, look at all these social media posts he put out about uh, being high and drunk and, you know, things like that. And um, I could be like, well, I didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but how many <laughs> how people do you are prove it? in this age of, uh, you know, um, social justice and kind of Twitter determines uh, whether you're um, g- guilty or innocent? Uh, there's a lot of context there that could be left out uh, for uh, someone else's gain if they wanted to bring me right. down. It's where a dark sense of humor doesn't always uh, help you in the future. But yeah. again, like if you were to decide to run for any sort of public office or you know public role, I think the experience you have and what you're bringing with you, the intention should outweigh any of that. Um, oh, we'll there's see. always a risk and the chance but... of me running for any kind of public office for one even doing it and two potentially winning yeah i think are probably remote <laughs> at best but just the thought of it is like I, have i limited myself right if i wanted to do it could i you know what i mean and um 
which makes me think maybe I should just go all in and be a podcaster. And there you go. I don't know <laughs> because nobody's doing that right now. No, not at all. Yeah, not that's a, it's a very novel concept. <laughs> Niche. Uh, yeah. Anyway, just yeah, wanted to share some kind of uh, reservations, insecurities. That's because that's what I do. I'm lots insecure. I have lots of reservations. Uh, anyway, as, if you're listening for the first time, uh, go back and listen to the past episodes. I'm certainly not going to do it, as I mentioned before, because I'm terrified of what I've said. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably, I, I think that I couldn't get through, like I'm looking at like the first episode. I recall putting that together and sharing my experience for the very first time. I feel like I would, I might literally vomit if I listened to that again, like <laughs> out of just like, I can't believe that I, exp- I shared that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I've kind of put it out there for other people, but I have not certainly put it out there for myself. I, what, what I'm doing, I guess, as I, as I, as I speak and as I edit and as I post, I'm doing that for myself in the moment. But once it's out there, it's not for me anymore. Yeah. It's therapeutic as you upload it. It's because not therapeutic. Genuinely, after something the that I lost sight of is that like sitting here right now and just talking is somehow helpful. It is. Like I just getting some stuff off my chest. Like I thought I've literally, I've been thinking about doing this for two weeks. I told you last night that I wanted to get back to doing this. And then tonight I was just kind of pacing. I was like, let's just do it. And then um, mm-hmm. kind of a microcosm of how everything has gone in the last few months and perhaps of uh, my entire experience um, with mental illness is that uh, just trying to get anything done always comes with hurdles you're not expecting. For instance, setting up to do this podcast and trying to figure out how these programs that I use to record it come together. And I literally spent an hour and a half here trying to figure it out, not working. And until this is uploaded, I'm still not entirely certain that it's doing it properly. <laughs> well, and like I said, I'm proud of you for powering through like the hour and I a half. I think I quit of- twice in the last time <laughs> until I was like, okay, let's That's how much it. try you have in you, though. It never seems to quit. Yeah. Anyways, uh, just if you want to go back through some past episodes, I, I share my experience for the first time in the first episode. And then uh, in the subsequent episodes subsequent episodes i'm sharing my experience as i go i was off work at the time started this almost two years ago can you believe that two years ago wow and uh this is almost a 3.0 of sorts of this podcast that i went i pounded out like 30 and i started doing some interviews and stuff like that up until august of last year and then there's a couple of month hiatus i i in that period of time i'd ended up back in the hospital yeah and Felt like a hypocrite in a lot of ways. I was kind of like, hey, I'm doing better. Like, uh, yeah. look at me and share my experience and how look at how noble I am. And then I was back in the hospital and then I didn't know how to proceed. Um, that I thought, you know, maybe there was a few people out there looking to me for some help. And then all of a sudden I was right back at square one. And I, I felt like I can't help people if I can't help myself. Mm-hmm. And that's something I still struggle a little bit with. Yeah. Um, on a lesser scale, that how am I supposed to sit here and share my experience when I don't necessarily even believe everything I'm saying? I struggle. I still struggle with like personal stigma. Yeah. That what my experience isn't valid. Mm-hmm. That I need to suck it up and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I have a really hard time letting uh, myself not be okay. Well, and I think that's why it's important that you've continued this despite setbacks, because I think 
that is the reality of depression. There is no cure for it. It doesn't necessarily go away. It's ebbs and flows. Unless of- you believe in ketamine and magic mushrooms. <laughs> oh, maybe. We haven't tried that There's yet. There's been a groundswell of support <laughs> for that stuff recently. But but no, like I think that's the important thing and that's where the true, you know, ability for people to see hope in your story comes from is that started out with one hospitalization, got things figured out, got felt like you're on top of it and then again just slipped slipped and fell back into it and again like got some help and got things figured out and as we've discussed already tonight you know you're starting to feel slipping a little bit again and that's that's the ebb and flow of of the disease that's how it seems to work and if there's one benefit of the experience of having been through this it's that I'm, I'm probably more aware of it. Yes, that's the thing. And you're helping other people become aware of it. And, you know, I, I'm i a champion for hope and positivity. But, you know, I, and I hate to sit here and say to people, guess what? Depression for a lot of people is a lifelong battle. It really is. There's no magic cure for it. There's no, you're going to wake up completely happy one day and never have to deal with it again. This is what it is and you've got to have the people around you and the support around you to help pick you up when you're falling down and uh really um one of the main reasons why i started was that if you aren't comfortable with that first step with Mm -hmm. seeking help talking to your loved ones um reaching out and getting and just talking to somebody anybody well, that's it. Um, I sit here and say you need the people around you, and you say your loved ones. Pe- some people don't have that, but, but that's even if they reason. do, like I, you know how many years I went with like not even being able to talk to you about it. Yeah, and maybe a podcast is a first step. That it's passive. You just listen. You either resonate with what someone is saying, or you don't. And if you do, you keep listening. You probably get something from it. I, I like to think that what I'm saying means something to somebody. Yeah. Well, this shows them not alone. That may experiencing some mental health issues themselves. Yeah. I, so I guess this is the place to start. So um, I share my experience a lot through the first few episodes. I, I start um, mixing in some interviews uh, with a couple of friends to start. Um, and then uh, someone I look up to as much as anybody, probably Michelle Sparling is one of my uh, first ones are actually get into some real, mm-hmm. real stuff where she's so well informed and and she's just like a just a well of information and yeah. understanding of of this stuff. And so she's a great interview. Uh, got to speak with Michael Landsberg, who is a uh, a wonderful advocate, one of the biggest in Canada, probably I would say. Mm-hmm. Who else besides Michael Landsberg on a just a just a popularity scale in terms of reach and and uh, presence and celebrity. Who's bigger than Michael Landsberg in Canada? Who's Not only that, like yeah, he talks about it every day. Yeah, that's the other thing. He talks about it every day. Yeah. Uh, Clint Malarchuk, uh, former NHL goaltender, who's had uh, many experiences with mental illness and ups and downs. Uh, that was a wonderful conversation. Um, and then just a number of other acquaintances that I've uh, dealt with along the way. Uh, and then 
once I got going again in the 2.0 version of this podcast last October, roughly, when uh, my friend Luke came on board offering up uh, the radio studio that he worked at and to co-host, um, really sort of pound interviews at that point. Um, Jamie Dew, another podcaster, Ben Meisner, a professional hockey goaltender, Asante Houghton, uh, another, uh, he's a Cam H150 difference maker, mm-hmm. uh, just a wonderful guy. Uh, Joni Malarchuk got the caregiver side of it, of Clint's mm-hmm. story. That was a pretty great one. Uh, Aaron Snow, another uh, former uh, junior hockey player who was drafted by the Dallas Stars, who had uh, some challenges with depression and uh, substance use, who's overcome that. That's a, a great story, a little bit explicit. Um, if, uh, it's, it's not, uh, for the faint of heart, but, uh, if you're, if you want to hear an, uh, an inspiring story of a guy who's been through it all and came out the other side, he's a great one. Um, Nick and Susie Spellick were, where it was a great interview on adolescent mental health mm-hmm. and, uh, Susie's development of a, uh, not pro nonprofit in, in Nick's name, uh, and Nick talks about his own experience in that episode. Uh, Julie Trites, another podcaster, she talks about women's mental health. She's a, uh, her, her show's great. Um, check that one out. Brent Sobel, another hockey guy. As you, as, and if you haven't noticed, again, <laughs> if you're listening to this for the first time, I'm a sports guy, so try to get the sports angle on it as much as I can. Uh, Brent Sobel is a former NHL hockey player and Stanley Cup champion. Uh, Two part uh, episode, almost well over two and a half hours with michael boyer who's a um a pastor yeah i don't think that's the right word he's a chaplain he's a chaplain i'm not i'm not a not really not a religious guy <laughs> uh he's a chaplain in on in hamilton and uh, he works with the military he works with hockey teams uh, the two part on that one, just because the first conversation was so fascinating mm-hmm. and we had so much more to cover that we did a second one. And yeah, he's, he was great. Uh, oh my God, them, those two episodes might be the most uplifting. Very inspiring. I did. Really, really inspiring. Like unreal. I can't get, I still like, I might have to, if I'm going to go back and listen to any of them, <laughs> it might be those ones because, oh, they were so good. Um, And then Luke and I talk about some personal stuff. Uh, a great interview with a uh, peer support worker at CMHA Halton, Dave Kilgannon. That was a great one, just about his own experience and what he does, the peer support worker. If you're not familiar with that line of work, he goes into some detail about what goes mm-hmm. into the job. That was that was pretty fun. Um, Heather Down and Courtney Taylor joined us uh, for uh, their story about uh, a book they put out with a number of authors called Brainstorm Revolution. Uh, just a, a series of short stories of people, um, of real stories of people who have overcome mental illness and addictions. Um, so that one was fun. And then the next episode after that was with Matthew Hennigan. He was part of the Brainstorm Revolution uh, anthology. And then he put out his own book recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about trauma. He was he used to be a paramedic, he used to work in the military, and uh, talked about his uh, substance use and PTSD Um and how he's overcome that. And he's, he was so eloquent. That was a, that was, was another, that's really another one, one of my favorites. Um, and I could go on all night about these. Um, and two that my, my two most listened to podcasts to date, uh, were 51 and 52. 51 was a Georgia Ede, 
she is an expert on the keto diet. Well, she's an, I guess, nutritionist and psychologist, but uh, she has uh, particular expertise on the ketogenic diet. That's the diet that I'm on and continue to be on. I've been on it for almost two years. It's amazing. And I, I, I've enjoyed the results and I have no desire to change it. Uh, so she goes on and goes into the benefits on some, some kind of at this time, I hope it's not forever, but at this time, some radical ideas on nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, she herself was on the carnivore diet when we were recording that one where she only eats meat, uh, which seems absolutely crazy, <laughs> but um, it's grounded in science and um, that's what works for her. Yeah. And it kind of turns on its head everything you know about nutrition, everything you've been told and, and raised with in the Canada Food Guide and yeah. whatever. It's it's fa- It was a fascinating uh, chat and I, and I hope you'll enjoy that one. It's because it makes you, it just makes you think if you can open up your mind to the concept of maybe everything that you've been told isn't entirely accurate, um, and maybe there's some uh, government lobbying that's been associated with uh, some of the decisions that have been made at the at the highest levels, then maybe it's 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 worth uh, exploring some alternative options if you're if you're running out of ways to care for yourself. Yeah, I believe there's a mental health angle to that interview as well. Yeah, well, it's heavily. Uh, related to mental health. Uh, episode 52 is my other highest listened to podcast. That one was with Daniel Carcillo, another, believe it or not, hockey player, uh, <laughs> two-time Stanley Cup champion. And um, he he talks about his experience with trauma and abuse and substance use. And uh, that one that one's interesting because that was at a time, and he's been very open about it more recently, about... Um, how he was very angry. Yeah. And more recently, uh, he's recognized his anger and he's been working on that. And uh, there, there's some anger in that interview that he's, not, and he's, uh, I'm not saying it's bad because uh, his, his uh, experience uh, would obviously provoke some anger. Um, but he's, uh, he's working on that. And it's, it's just interesting to see what he's tweeting about these days. He's gone into, uh, some, again, another guy who didn't talk about it in the podcast, but he's gotten into some radical stuff too. Oh, perceived radical. That's, a, it's not mm-hmm. right for me to say that they're radical because he might be onto something. Yeah. One of them is he's heavily involved in, uh, the advocacy for, uh, CBD oil, mm-hmm. um, a cannabis product that, um, is not psychoactive, doesn't get you high and is proving to have some real benefits for pain. Um, I tried it myself mm-hmm. uh, just for sleep more than anything. I got off of, uh, of an antipsychotic drug that I just made me feel awful. So I wanted to get away from it. I tried CBD for a bit. I personally didn't notice much result. I also don't know if I gave it enough of a chance. I don't know if I took enough of a dose. Yeah. The other problem we're facing right now is that I can't. you can't get it covered under uh my insurance and it's really expensive so yeah. i kind of nipped that in the bud i was like we just no point in trying this right now but uh there's been a lot of advocacy uh, that dan's been doing for cbd you see a lot of athletes and uh, retired athletes that are using that for pain and saying it's it's giving them incredible results and another thing that he's really uh advocating for right now is uh, psilocybin or magic mushrooms um as, and a lot of people are talking about how 
uh, microdosing that can have a significant benefit to uh, to depression. Yeah, uh, I know that a comedian, uh, Neil Brennan, I, I believe he's both tried the ketamine treatment. Yes, um, which is pretty. That is pretty radical. Where I think you actually like get a large dose of ketamine, and you kind of get like you get like that high that you would get from ketamine, and you're in a controlled environment, so it's safe, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's that that is I think that's kind of had mixed results, but a lot of people say that that's helped them. But uh, the the microdosing of psilocybin is is uh, I'm I'm hearing more and more about how that's relatively safe. I don't want to say definitively because I, obviously I haven't seen much research, and I don't know from experience, and I don't want to I don't want to send anybody down a wrong path, or speak out of turn. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a lot of people that are taking like a tiny amount Microdose, of that. Yeah. It's so small that it doesn't uh, doesn't mess you up. Yeah. And it's apparently having like major effects on people's moods, which yeah. is interesting. And again, you know, these sorts of things where they originally were, you know, they're illegal substances, um, just makes you think how much further we'd be if it didn't have that stigma around it. Yeah. And that leads us to 3.0, which is this podcast tonight. Uh, I'm not going to make any promises on how frequently I'm going to continue to do this. Um, I'm hoping that the mood will strike more frequently. Um, I've been experiencing some, uh, I guess the only way to put it is some depressive episodes where I just kind of, I don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the moments that I need to be triggered to do the podcast. Um, I, you know, I just feel like I have no purpose sometimes and I, I'm struggling to be motivated. Uh, it's been affecting my personal life. It's been affecting my job. Uh, well, it's been affecting me and my job. My, uh, I've got nothing but glowing reviews, but I feel <laughs> like I need to be doing more and doing better and mm-hmm. paying more attention to detail and being more focused. Uh, I've been really struggling in those areas, in my own opinion. Um, and I think I need to start documenting that a little bit and getting back to the essence of what this was supposed to be, which is was one person's journey with uh il- this this illness mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm gonna try to do that more uh, despite my as i mentioned my anxiety my fear my regret with things i may have said in the past uh i i've got to live with it i've got to accept that it's out there and i'm not going to change it right uh and additionally um as i mentioned a few minutes ago i had some significant uh technical issues of trying to get this thing recorded mm-hmm. but uh if i can get more comfortable with this i would like to expand back out into doing more interviews I, i'm going to take it slow at this point but right. i i had committed interviews to a few people before uh we uh kind of broke up with luke a little bit ago <laughs> and kind of put the whole thing on hiatus and i've got to circle back with those people and let them know hey i've got some technical issues so i still would like to interview you so maybe uh, if i premise <laughs> it with that it won't be so bad if if I frig it up like I did with Asante <laughs> Houghton a few months ago, or it was a well over a year ago Maybe now. let's start with him. <laughs> Asante? Yeah. I already talked to him. Yeah, but he said he wanted to come back, and yeah, he's already, you know, you know, he's cool as cute. He's not going to listen to this, but he's cool. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I don't know. Is that all I got? What do you think? Sounds like a good, uh, good first kick at the can again. Looking at my notes. 
No, nope, that's it. Talk to everything I want to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, this probably been a rough one, but, uh, please provide your feedback if, uh, if you have any, um, uh, which en- encouragement goes a long way. If you want me to keep doing it, you tell me <laughs> that's because right. sometimes I worry that this is meaningless and, uh, I, man, that just sounds so self-absorbed. But, uh, <laughs> not self-absorbed yeah, self-critical little, i think little, is more what i'm thinking maybe a little <laughs> maybe a little um okay well uh yeah give me some feedback uh, you can tweet me at j-d-i-c-k-i-e you can send me a message on facebook messenger um just my name justin dickey on facebook messenger i'm not hard to find did you want to tell people you can get you caitlin because she doesn't know that's right on twitter at panic dicky underscore caitlin c-a-i-t-l-y-n mm-hmm. and uh yeah we'll take it a day at a time uh you can like subscribe rate and review this podcast it would mean a lot if you did all those things and uh share it yeah. That would be great. So, because I, I want to, I want more people to know about it. I want to help more people. And if I know I'm helping more people, I'll continue to do it. Maybe I don't want to make any promises. I'm, I'm <laughs> kind of flaky. By kind, I mean a lot. Thanks for listening. You good? Yeah. Okay. Peace. <laughs>